Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all your socials. Obviously, this will be dropping Thursday, Thursday morning, so game day. Uh, kind of a weird, Jets are never in prime time, so this is a bit of a weird short week, back-to-back-to-back days of pods, but pleasure to be joined, I think, third time uh, on the pod. Sam Monson at PFF, PFF underscore Sam, obviously, uh, PFF NFL podcast, one of the one of the probably premier you know NFL podcasts you're going to find. How are we doing today? Good. How's it going? Good, man. I'm uh, I'm off the high of the World Cup final on Sunday. I was it was a perfect. I'm a, I'm a diehard Messi guy. I'm not I shouldn't say I'm a, I'm a diehard. It's a lot of time you became a bitch guy. I'm a diehard Messi versus Ronaldo on the Messi side of things. So Sunday was nice to uh, to see Ronaldo fans very upset that Messi won a trophy. He didn't even need to win to be the goat. Yeah, not just the not just the game, but like the tournament total for Ronaldo has not not been a good one. Like <laughs> it's not been a, it's Portugal. not been a good six months for uh for Ronaldo. Yeah, like Man United give up on him, Portugal give up on him. Basically, everybody except Saudi Arabia with truckloads of money is done with Ronaldo at this point. I know on track Frankfurt apparently said we won't even pay. We don't want, we don't want him for free. Um, I guess it's hard to blame a lot him at of this teams. point. Yeah, a lot of teams have said that, like Sporting Lisbon, you know, his, his first club, right, or yeah. wherever he started, right? They were like, I mean, we're good. It's Thanks, not, man. We don't want him. Like, it's not a positive thing for us to get Ronaldo, even if it's cost effective. It doesn't it's help al- us. It's almost like the uh, Ronaldo's agent to bring it back to the NFL kind of felt like the Odell Beckham situation where, like, kind of overplayed his hand a little bit that all these teams are going to want a 30 year old receiver coming off a second ACL demanding guaranteed money. And a lot right. of teams are like, well, you have to play. And, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. Obviously, um, you know, it's in week 16 now or 15. So if Odell's going to play, you may want to uh, figure it out here or just not play this year. Um, obviously, in bigger news, the Jets are in the playoff race. The last time we spoke, I believe, maybe it was right before the first Patriots game where um, the beginning of kind of Zach's public, you know, where, you know, again, I know everyone hanging. said, yeah, hanging <laughs> basically. And everyone's kind of said that the Jets have handled it properly or not poorly. I don't know. I think they gave Zach a lot of slack after that first Patriots game and, and stuck by him. Kind of were left with no choice after the second one. But the Jets are 7-7. Seven seven. They're in a must-win primetime game against the Jaguars, who early in the year, this matchup was probably like everyone's looking at the calendar. 
you got Packers, you know, Rams on Monday night. Oh, premier. This is going to be awesome. Jets, Jags on Thursday. That'll suck. It's actually the opposite. This is actually, I think from a neutral point of view, a pretty exciting game Two young teams that are, you know, picked one and four in last year's draft. You even got the lions, the Texans, you know, will, uh, unfortunately they're the one team in that top four that likely has no chance. Like, they obviously have no chance to playoffs, but what do you make of, you know, kind of recapping a little bit, Zach Wilson returned on Sunday, some good, some not so good. And the Jets lose a game that I think you're, they're kicking themselves. They didn't, you know, they didn't get out of there yeah. with a, a win. They are. Yeah. Like I, I think the Jets were left with no choice, but to Ben Zach Wilson, go to Mike White. I think Mike White's shown some, some things to be reasonably excited about as well. Another guy that, you know, graded pretty well in college. So there's, there's potential in Mike White, definitely. But putting Zach Wilson back out there, that was the game I think that made sense for Zach Wilson, like overall, given what we thought he would be coming out of the draft, like the big playability, the offense that he came from at BYU, the fact that we didn't really know how we would react under pressure because he never faced any in college. Like, I think the expectation for him probably even at this point in his career would be like a, a volatile high variance roller coaster type of quarterback. And the problem is for his career so far, it really hasn't been like there've been bad. The downswing of the roller coaster has been there, but it's never come back up. Like we've never really seen the big plays that he's supposed to be able to make like that arm talent, the crazy throws, the Patrick Mahomes stuff that he was being talked about as having in his locker at draft time really hasn't been there for his entire career. But this game, I thought we saw a lot more of that. He had, I think five big time throws by PFFs grading, which is, that's a really high number in a single game. And okay. I think he had three all year. As well. I think he had three in the first seven starts this year. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So like that makes a lot of sense. Like a lot of big plays, some really nice stuff in there, some high leverage plays as well. And then a couple of big glaring mistakes that are probably going to be there, you know, for a long period of his career, even if he turns into the quarterback, people thought he might be going forward. So, you know, I think, the bottom line is that that made sense for a Zach Wilson type of game. But I think the other thing is that's also a big step forward from where he was when he got benched. You know what I mean? Like in a weird way. Yeah, it wasn't enough. Sure. They didn't win the game. It, like it, When you kind of look at what Mike White has been doing and then where the Jets were and, and how big a blow that was, it's it's overall bad. But I think that was a big jump forward in in his personal performance, which is an important thing in itself. Yeah, something I've mentioned a couple of times this week, and I know I think you mentioned it last year. We Zach's preseason last year, and then I don't want to spend the whole time on Zach, but the preseason last year was all it's like super accurate, all this short stuff. And we're like, wow, okay. We know he can do the other stuff. Like first couple NFL moments, he looks really good. And then he comes in the league and it kind of just wasn't that. And we weren't really seeing a lot of the high highs. There was a couple of throws. The Tennessee game obviously, you know, sticks out or a couple other moments. And then this year I felt like it was all so there was just no real big moments. It was like the one throw yeah. against the Packers that was kind of underthrown. If you really want to be you know, nitpicky about it. And he had the nice, he had a nice game against the bills, but he threw for 150 yards. It's not as if like, that's not like deep too, too crazy about it. This game was what I thought we were going to see last year from Zach, which was like you mentioned yeah. huge plays off schedule that stuff, some dumb turnovers, missed throws, not seem to feel great, but giving them a chance to win and not killing them. But also, um, you know, he's just, he was going to be a home run hitter. He always was. I made this analogy a little bit earlier uh, for anyone that watches baseball. Like the problem is Zach can't be 2022 Joey Gallo where like, it's literally a home run or a terrible play that can't happen. And you just want to see a little bit more. Um, 
I guess from the other side of that game, the defense kind of is taking a lot of heat right now, obviously, because they give up the, the fourth and one and turns into a 50 yard play. One, I like, I don't know about you. I like the Jets kind of going for the kill shot there. I feel like there's two minutes to go. You're at home. You stop him there, the game's over. It, does it suck to give up a 51 yard play? Of course. It's also a really good play call by Ben Johnson. I don't think, we yeah. need, I don't think we need to trash the defense that much. They give up 10 total points to a, a red hot offense. Are you, are you this impressed? How impressed are you with this defense that, you know, I guess when we talked two months ago, they were playing really well, but it was like, yeah, they've played some backup quarterbacks. They shut Josh Allen down twice. They made Aaron Rodgers look washed. Like, although some people have done, they're not just the Jets have done that this year, but right. they've pretty much, no one's had a big game outside of Joe Burrow in week three when the Jets were kind of a mess at that point. Yeah. I look, I think the Jets defense has been really impressive this season. I think teams like the Jets, teams like Denver, I think what you're seeing, even the 49ers times this year, you're sort of seeing the limitations of defense in today's NFL. Like, gone are the days where you can be the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. Like, you just can't go through a season stopping everybody and limiting them to 10, 12 points a game. It's not possible anymore. Offenses are too good. The rules favor offense too much. Like, it's impossible. So it, it sort of leads sometimes to this really frustrating uh, world where defenses are going to blow one play somewhere, right? It's just going to happen. And a lot of times it's because of the play call. Like Ben Johnson, as he said, has been one of the best play callers in the NFL this season. You go back a couple of weeks, like every play was that play against the Vikings. You know what I mean? Like it happened every single time they called a play. So for the Jets to get done once is quite an achievement, right? But you end up with these games where the, the game is getting decided by that one time you screwed up on defense but you sort of ignore the fact that, well, yeah, but you also kept quiet one of the best offenses in the league for the rest of the time, which is a way more important achievement than that one play. Like it shouldn't have come down to that. And I think there's a load of games this season where Denver has been in that situation where they've blown one play somewhere along the way. And because their offense doesn't score any points, that one play is the difference between them winning or losing. But like, ultimately it's still a really good performance by the defense overall. It's just, that's the world we live in. It's almost impossible to go perfect anymore. And I think that was what the Jets did. It was a bad play. It was at a really bad time. Like the, you know, the, the situation was awful to blow it. But I don't think like, I think the broader point is they had a really good game and just had one screw up at the worst possible time it's still it's still an impressive performance by that defense, which has got a legit pass rush, even without Quinn and Williams on the field, which is able to lock down number one receivers or elite receivers with Sauce Gardner. Uh, I thought DJ Reed actually didn't have a great game on this time, but generally he's been really good this year. Like that is a very good defense for the Jets. And one of the reasons that they're, you know, in playoff contention. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like the Jets haven't really had a lot of team losses this year. It's felt like a lot of the games, the Patriots games, you point to the quarterback play and a little bit of the special teams. This one was a little bit everyone shares the blame. You know, you mentioned the defense. Again, the Jets were doing that without arguably – I mean, I think he's a top-two defensive tackle in football this year. I think him and Chris Jones yeah. are the two best guys pretty much by any metric. Tape, no tape, VFF grades, DBO, everything. Um, the one thing I was kind of curious about – I know we, people hate talking about special teams, and then we'll move on to the Jags team is – the Jets, like all year, were really good on defense and really good on special teams. And, you know, they were top three or four unit by PFF metrics, by DVOA. And they're now – they're falling pretty heavily in every metric. And, like, two of the three punt returns in the NFL this year have been against the Jets. And is it, like – I know no one wants to talk about punter, but am I crazy <laughs> that, like, 
when you have like how bad is Braden Man right now? Because it's feels like teams are just they lose field position every single game with, with just from punting alone. Yeah, like special teams to me are one of those things where you don't a you don't notice until it's bad, and b I don't think it even needs to be good as long as it's not terrible. Like it's one of those things. Just get a passing grade, right? Just get anything north of pass and your special teams isn't a problem. So like last year, Green Bay special teams was an absolute abomination and that was yeah. a problem. And it blew it up on them to get, in the playoffs. Yeah, like, but it didn't need to get good. It didn't need to get great. It just needed to not be the reason they were losing games. Um, like I actually think the Jets punter has actually been okay this year. I don't think that's necessarily the problem. I think, again, they're kind of dialing up some bad plays at bad times and it's costing them. Like I think overall... They don't have a bad special teams unit, but it's one of those things where, again, it, it not only does it need to just get a passing grade, but it needs to do that on every play. Because if you're going to screw it up one time, it's a touchdown, right? Or, or it's a big play coming back the other way. It's a really weird dynamic because there's that cliche that special teams is a third of the game. I mean, it clearly isn't, right? It's, it's nowhere yeah, near <laughs> as important as offense or defense. But it's one of those weird things where it's going to come up 15 times a game and all you need to do is to pass 15 plays. You don't need to be good. You don't need to make anything special happen. You just not need to fail for 15 straight plays. And that's all you got to do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I want to just hit on two Jets guys that have been standouts this year for me. We, everyone was talking about Quinn Williams and, and Sauce Gardner, and rightfully so. Two guys I want to hit on. One, Garrett Wilson's not only playing, putting up big numbers, but I mean, he's a top 11 graded receiver by every you know by PFF's metrics and. He's obviously very close to a thousand yards ready. He's played with three different quarterbacks, two of whom are two of the three lowest graded quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not as if, and he's playing in a, a technical run first offense, although the Jets throw a lot more than I think people realize. And the other guy I wanted to just mention is Bryce Huff. Obviously, I'm biased. Bryce Huff's been on the show a lot, and, you know, he's, he does, you know, it's really good to me, but he's, I, I know it's a minimum, you know, if you do, you have to go by minimum amount of snaps and all that, but he's literally the highest pressure rate. I'm pretty sure in the entire league right yeah. now, which is, it's insane. Like he's one out of more than one out of every four times he rushes the passer, he's getting a pressure, which is miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt type level stuff, which is, is pretty crazy as an undrafted guy out of, out of Memphis. Right. Pass rush win rate as well. Like when you go and sort of do every time I go to kind of pull out numbers for defensive player of the year stuff, you know, miles Garrett, Joey Bosa and uh, Michael Parsons, those three guys, I think they're three of the four top guys in, in pass rush win rate and pressure rate, maybe. But Bryce Huff is the guy you've got to like strip out with the with the threshold. You know what I mean? You got to set the number high enough so that he stops appearing in your numbers and screwing up your neat graphic for defensive player of the year. But you're right. That's the kind of company he's keeping in terms of on a per rush type of basis. And it doesn't always translate, you know, one to one that guys that are gonna the guys that are tearing it up in small sample sizes, if you give them a larger role. In future, they're going to become amazing. Like Jonathan Grenard last season for the Texans had an incredible pass rush grade, had a great win rate, had a great pressure rate. This year, they tried to scale up his workload. It, it hasn't been the same, but it has worked a lot. Like Cameron Wake was doing this way back in the day, right? A great Joey example. Porter. Yeah. Joey Porter was their big sort of star outside linebacker, played almost all the snaps. Joey Porter was getting a lot of pressure because he was playing almost all the snaps, but Cameron Wake was destroying him in PFF grade and in pressure rate on a per snap basis. And we were like, if they give this guy some more snaps, like he looks like he's going to make some serious things happen. Eventually, you know, obviously Cameron Wake became the starter. 
and was one of the best edge rushers of his generation. So it, it's not it's not always like one for one, but it's definitely a data point that you want to start scaling up and seeing if it's going to keep going that way. Um, Garrett Wilson, I, I love Garrett Wilson. He was my number one receiver in the draft. Um, he reminded me a lot of Stefan Diggs in terms of like, there's nothing about his game necessarily that's imposing, that's terrifying, that's physically sort of overwhelming, but he just, he performs bigger than he is. Like he outperforms what you think he should be able to do based off his size or his strength or his speed or whatever. And he's just making plays in all areas, whether it's contested catches, whether it's yards after the catch, whether it's at the catch point, like everything he does is just really good. And yeah, everybody he's played with this year, other than Zach Wilson. And even last week, like I actually, Zach Wilson got him the ball, but you know, whether it's Mike white or Joe Flacco, that guy's putting up pro bowl, all pro caliber numbers. And then, you know, the, the sort of few games of Zach Wilson in the middle, it just sort of torpedoed his production. Yeah. It's interesting with, um, you know, with Garrett Wilson, just because coming out, it's very, I know everyone does the player comps thing and it's easy to be like, Oh, this guy's, you know, everyone used to do this in basketball. Oh, this guy's LeBron James. Like obviously no one is, but Gary Wilson was three comps. I feel like was, was Justin Jefferson Diggs and Calvin Ridley. And like, he's already better than Calvin Ridley has been ever, I think. And like, and he's on, like, he's, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You know, I think we, as rookie receivers, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson kind of broke, like, even right. the best rookie. You know, we just... It's, you know, Herbert rookie year type stuff where it's like, no one's going to do that. And we have to stop kind of doing that in our heads of like, oh, this guy has to be this good to be a rookie. Like, Gary Wilson's probably going to put up 80, 1,206 touchdowns as a rookie with that's, that's very impressive stuff. Um, I mean, if you, yeah. if you like project out his, like, if you do a per game basis, right? And basically you remove the Zach Wilson games in the middle and extrapolate what it looks like for the full season, it's basically Jamar Chase's year. Like, it's the same numbers <laughs> if you just don't drag him down with some bad Zach Wilson games in the middle of the season. Yeah. I'm hoping he obviously be the first Jets receiver since I believe Brandon Marshall in 2015 to go over a thousand. I'm hoping he gets to 1200 because there's been five total jet seasons ever with 1200 yards receiver, which kind of disgusting to, to think about, but it's also, <laughs> it's also pretty funny if he does it as a rookie. 
I want to kind of transition here to, to Jets Jags because again, I, I kind of mentioned it to young teams that I think a lot of people were kind of, okay, maybe these, either, either of these quarterbacks clicks, they can make a playoff spot. I think that was kind of the consensus going into the year. They were too trendy. Like they can make the seven seed type picks. There's a good chance both teams can make the playoffs depending, you know, even if the Jags lose on Thursday, they still, you know, if the Titans lose one more game, they'll play week 18 for a kind of winner take all. And Jets, I guess, technically can lose on tomorrow, but it's not, it would be very difficult based on the way the tiebreakers work. So they kind of a must win situation, but both can make the playoffs. Obviously we mentioned Zach Wilson and I don't want to just bash Shaq. Like he did, again, he did show some flashes and this is another opportunity for him to, to show something. It's honestly, now you don't always get second and third chances in the NFL and he, he's getting a, a prime one here. Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, has become every bit the top 10, top 12, whatever number you want to put on a quarterback in the last six or seven weeks. He has been as good of a, as good of a quarterback as anybody in the league right now. Uh, what's kind of led to that with Trevor and, and just how good has he been? Cause you know, stats are one thing. It's hard if, you know, you don't watch him every week, but he's been, he's been impressive. No, he really has. Like, I think since week eight, he's been the number two graded quarterback at PFF, something like that. Um, almost all of his good games for his career have come in the last sort of six weeks, that kind of thing. It really is like a, a switch just flipped for him. Um, and I, one of my biggest criticisms for him before that is it wasn't even, it was a bit like Zach Wilson that we just didn't see the high end version of his play like this guy that was supposed to be the best prospect for a generation there wasn't much evidence of that in his down to down play every now and again you'd see a flash of it but there really wasn't a lot like not you didn't see more flashes than you saw for like a standard first round quarterback that's obviously going to have some potential otherwise he wouldn't have gone in the first round like you didn't see it, it wasn't like so Peyton Manning's rookie year right 1998 Peyton Manning set the the rookie record for interceptions in a season um you know there's ways of looking at that year you're like oh, that must have been terrible but not a single soul in the world came out of that season anything other than 100 percent convinced that Peyton Manning was going to be amazing right like you saw it every single week he looked great despite the interceptions he threw you just knew that he had to go through a little process of making those mistakes and getting rid of them I don't think the same thing was true for Trevor Lawrence now okay he had the complicating factor of Urban Meyer, you know, one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. So you almost have to write off that year. But up until the kind of last, you know, six weeks or whatever it's been, I don't think we saw enough of those flashes. But then all of a sudden, we're seeing a much more in-command version of Trevor Lawrence. You're seeing much more of those big plays. You're just seeing a much higher baseline. And like, obviously the story into this game is going to be number one versus number two overall pick, but it's almost like Trevor Lawrence has, has got it now. Like he's arrived and that's propelling the Jags forward. Whereas the jets, it's like almost everything else is working. And Zach Wilson is like the question mark now. Okay. The offensive line has still got injuries and that's not what it should be or what it would have been if, if everybody had stayed healthy, but like the defense is amazing. Garrett Wilson is good. Like a lot of things are working for the jets but Zach Wilson is the sort of, well, can he hang with Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, it's, they put out a, a graphic in the post and it's, you know, the Trevor's and Zach's stats this year. And it's just, right. it's tough to, it's tough to look at and, you know, have any serious kind of conversation about it. And look, I, you know, I saw a joke that basically said, uh, someone on Jets Twitter was like, what's, you know, Robert Sussman, what's the difference in the two? And, and Trevor Lawrence is a top 10 guy and Zach's a borderline top 35 guy. And I was like, 
it's harsh, but probably true at this moment. And look, again, I think Zach's going to need time, whether it's in New York or somewhere else to develop. He's a guy that was always a project. It's just difficult because the Jets have had so much failure in terms of getting to the playoffs for the last 12 years. And defense is so year over year, you don't always see, you know, the same production from a defense. Although in the Jets fairness, they've had injury. They haven't had that many injuries, but they don't turn, they don't take the ball away. So that's that variance. You know, you hope that it kind of year over year, you'll still see that sauce should only get better. Quinn and these guys, the one matchup I'm kind of curious about Cam Robinson's out. Quinn Williams looks like he's going to play. We'll see. The Jags offensive line's got a lot of injuries and the Jets defensive line is getting healthier. I feel like that and coupled with the fact that Trevor's so good against pressure right now in the five-man plus rushers, he's been really good recently. The Jets don't ever <laughs> blitz more than four people, hardly ever. They did a little bit last yeah. week because they had no Quinn, but I feel like that's a matchup for the Jets where respectfully, uh, I trust Austin DJ Reed on Christian Kirk and you know the Evan Ingrams of the world. I just don't think, I think that's a pretty good matchup for the Jets this, you know, in the rain as well. Yeah, I mean, Cam Robinson going down, like just generally that offensive line getting hurt, I think is a pretty big thing. I don't necessarily love any of their linemen individually, but as a group, they've been a really good pass blocking unit this season. Um, and as soon as Cam Robinson went down, like Walker Little coming in, gave up a ton of pressure almost immediately on just a few snaps. Like if that's the baseline, if that's the standard of what he's going to be in relief um, uh, with a different left tackle, then all of a sudden I think that the whole picture for that offense potentially changes. Yeah, sorry, I thought I muted myself. I, I almost, uh, I'm just myself there. But and then the other, the other matchup, you know, the other side, you got Tyson Campbell and a bunch of, you know, Shaq Griffin and, and all these other corners. We mentioned Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore struggled, um, you know, over throughout the year. He's played much better of recent, especially in the box where he's getting more targets. Frankly, like that's kind of a huge aspect there. But he obviously hasn't graded well. And, what's kind of going do you think that this is something that was just a lot to do with what was going on in his usage because he's a player that was I thought really good last year and he'll still end up probably with better stats than he had last year and he'll finish the year strong but it's, it's been a pretty tumultuous year for a guy that I think everyone thought was going to really break out in a big way and be maybe a thousand yard guy yeah I think he just needs a little bit more help um in terms of usage pattern to kind of maximize what he can do like I think he's a good player but I don't think he wins as much on his own in all situations the way Garrett Wilson can. And I think the other problem that the Jets have sort of generally is it's not necessarily an offense that just has a million targets to share around to all these receivers. They're not as efficient as that. So if Garrett Wilson is going to get a ton of the, the work, which he should, like he's by far the best receiver, it just it leaves guys like um, more like struggling to kind of carve that role where they can be high volume and you know, successful because of sort of how much help they need to have the offense uh, melded around them a little bit. So I think there's a good, like if this offense, again, the offensive line is a big thing, right? Like if that group is a top 10 group for the rest of the season or for the season, the way they were supposed to be, if everybody was healthy, I think the baseline of the passing attack would be a lot higher. And if Zach Wilson took a step forward, like you would just be on the field more, there would be more offensive plays to move around. And at that point, I think you can have more, like heads in the trough and, and everybody gets fed a little bit more, but when it isn't, everything kind of shrinks down. And I think it all starts to focus naturally on Garrett Wilson. And that just leaves guys like um, more just like a little bit squeezed out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think, look, he's starting to get some more production here and the offense is obviously different with Mike white versus, uh, you know, versus Zach Wilson. A couple of last kind of quick things here. I want to just get your opinion on Mike white, because he's a guy that, 
some some Jets fans are like he's the next Tom Brady. He'll be not you know not actually that good, but like he's our you know late round find that nobody wanted. And look, he's been really good. I think he's proven he could start games in the NFL. I think yeah, the Jets are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because Mike White missing this time means you don't really get to evaluate him down the stretch here. But also you need to evaluate Zach Wilson down the stretch here because you can't really give up on either guy without seeing it. But and unless like realistically, you're only going to get the answer on one, which is which is highly unfortunate. Did you see enough from Mike White that he's a guy that like you think either the Jets bring back or somebody else pays, you know, the Matt Flynn type of guy that like people are paying off of potential? Or is is it like Jets fans are a little over, you know, overexcited and he's really just kind of a a fringe backup, you know, Sam Donald level, you know, maybe could start, but probably is going to get usurped by a younger rookie. I think it's a really hard call because you're right. It's a really small sample size. We've seen guys look good for that period of time before and then go away and not never become anything else. But the other thing is a huge chunk of this is not on the field. Like a huge chunk of this is off the field leadership, like clearly the Jets players love Mike White, right? Like they, and but like before Zach Wilson was benched, you know, they, they have gone to bat for Mike White. They loved him last year when he, when he played limited snap, like they love that guy. He is a leader in this locker room. And I think that's important. Like a team wanting to play for a quarterback is not a small thing. Conversely, by the end, everybody clearly just had enough of Zach Wilson, right? Like he lost the locker room when he, abdicated responsibility in that game after that game like that was bad that was a bad leadership move it cost him the starting job i think justifiably um like the team was done with him and okay maybe he can earn that back but it's going to be a grind so when you're trying to weigh this up of like who's the better player who gives us a more a better chance to win long term like you're not just asking which guy is better but you know between the hash marks you're also going who's who is the team going to fight for more like who are they going to buy into who's going to elevate the play of everybody else around them and is it going to go south with zach wilson again right because the one thing i think you can be pretty sure of is no matter how badly mike white plays the team is still going to love the guy like he's not going to lose everybody leadership wise so i think it's a it's a difficult thing obviously zach wilson is the guy you have the big draft pick in the the investment in theoretically but he's already sort of failed, I guess, step one of the leadership thing by the way he screwed that up. And Mike White is the opposite. Like, it, so it's, I think it's a very difficult conversation. I, I think it's, it's really unfortunate that Mike White got hurt and didn't get a chance to kind of win the, the job, you know, with a run of good play that might have sort of answered the question for them. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting because best case scenario look for the Jets is they win this game tomorrow. Zach Wilson looks really good. Zach Wilson gets into the playoffs and shows enough in the next three weeks that it's him. And maybe you bring in a veteran to compete with him, or maybe it's Mike White next year. You made the playoffs. You have your, you think Zach's taking all the steps and in year three, he takes a pretty big leap and he makes, you know, you're competing with Buffalo after one or two more additions. The other best case is that, you know, or I guess not best case, but they win. Zach looks terrible. And Mike White comes back and leads them in the playoffs and you go, okay, we have our guy either way. That's, that's best case. Worst case is obviously the Jets lose. Zach also looks terrible. Mike White doesn't come back. <laughs> now you're you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr, or, you know, the pipe dream of Lamar or Rodgers or people are throwing right. Brady around. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think Tom Brady is more than good. I think Jets fans are okay with not having Tom Brady. Um, one position that the Jets are, I think, probably as good as anybody in the NFL right now, which is, and they've kind of done it, in my opinion, the right way. They've got three, you know, young running backs. 
all of whom are homegrown guys, all don't make a lot of money. You know, Brees Hall, obviously, we saw the explosiveness. It's unfortunate he gets hurt. You have Michael Carter, obviously, who's struggled this year, but is still a nice back. And then Zonovan Knight's first three games as an NFL player were, I mean, he broke as many tackles as I'm, I'm not sure anyone else could break anymore at that point. How impressed have you been with, like, that group? And do you think it's – like, I know it's always the, it's running back valuable and whatever, but it feels like to this offense, having three young guys like that going forward for the next two, three, four years is going to be really important to their success. Yeah, I, I think their running back stable is, is really good. And I think a guy as good as Brees Hall is important, even you know, in this world of running backs don't matter. And analytics says you'd never bother investing in running backs and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a reason that guys from that Shanahan coaching tree still go after big running backs, whether it's Brees Hall in the draft, whether it's Christian McCaffrey in trade, whether it's other guys in the draft that Kyle Shanahan has gone after. They clearly believe that there is a value to be added an important value to be added even to an offense that can manufacture production out of nothing. Like you go back to Mike Shanahan, right? He was able, he was the first guy that was able to just plug any running back in there a thousand yard season, no problem, but it still made a difference when he discovered Clinton Portis, right? Like it was, it was different. Like those guys do bring a value above and beyond what you're going to get elsewhere. So I think the jets going after Brees Hall made a lot of sense given the picks that they already made um in the draft and the positions they'd already addressed and he looked like he, he was going to justify it before he got hurt um and then the guys coming in after him have, have been good as well so i think that's a real area of strength for the jets going forward it's an, it's funny i was just thinking of the champ bailey clinton portis trade what an absolute in 2022 right. that trade if <laughs> if that happened now and the jets traded Brees hall for uh <laughs> for Darius Slay, I think people would be rolling their eyes heavily. But hey, back in the day, it made sense for both teams. Create uh, NFL trades back in the day were were very very much different. Linebackers and running backs had a little different value than uh, than they probably do now. I want to get you you know quick thoughts one on what you think happens. Um, obviously, people will be listening to this tomorrow. You know tonight, and then uh, just one or two other quick NFL questions. But what do you think? Uh, what do you what's your kind of gut feeling say of you know what happens during Jets Jags? I think the Jets defense might have enough with the injuries on the Jags offensive line to kind of screw up this, this Jags, um, the whole kind of role that they've got going with Trevor Lawrence. Like Dallas did it a little bit last week and it was causing problems. Dallas should have won that game. I think they had it in hand, uh, like a minute kind of swung the whole thing. And then even in overtime, they were a uh, positive play until the ball hits receiver in his hands and ends up getting picked off for six and a walk-off score so I think as long as Zach Wilson doesn't completely implode and, and throw the ball to the defense a couple of times I think the Jets probably have enough to win yeah I'm, I'm on just based on the weather the last time Trevor played in the this type of weather he obviously didn't have his best game against the Eagles um, obviously things are a little different since then but um, you know I, the Jets defense is as good as anybody and I just think you can get pressure with four you keep yourself in it hopefully you create a turnover or two I want to ask you two quick things. Obviously, Jalen Hurts going down maybe for a week, maybe for longer. It's pain tolerance thing, not really sure. Do you still have the Eagles? Do you feel like the Eagles are still the favorites just because there's time for him to get healthy? Or the way the Niners look right now, it's, you know, it's pretty hard to go against them, I feel like, as well. Yeah, I think it's still the Eagles. I mean, we expect Jalen Hurts to be back well in time by the by the playoffs. We also don't know what Gardner Minshew is going to look like. I mean, a lot of people have been kind of trying to use – how good the Eagles are without or outside of Jalen Hurts to kind of ding his MVP case and all those kinds of things. Like there's 
there's a pretty good chance that Gardner Minshew looks fine in this offense or looks good. Um, and the Eagles can roll anyway. So I think they're still definitely the team to beat in the, uh, in the NFC. And then kind of just shifting over to the AFC, obviously there's a lot of, you know, bills, Bengals, and obviously the chiefs, the one team that I think people are almost kind of assumed they were going to be in the playoffs, which I still gut feeling comes down to jets, Miami for the seventh seed, you know, week 18, I'm sure that'll be a prime time game and there'll be a, a lot of, a lot of trash talk between Jets and Dolphins. I don't know why. I just feel like it comes down to it. I feel like the Dolphins, um, you know, even if they went out here, you know, they still got New England. I don't know that they're going to beat Green Bay. Maybe they do, but Green Bay is playing better right now. And Aaron Rodgers loves to show, show up in prime time and everything like that. The Dolphins are weird, and I understand they've run into some good defense and stuff, but, like, the Chargers defense is putrid, was missing a majority of their starters, and Tua looked awful. Even as much as they looked good in, in Buffalo on Sunday or Saturday, like still lost and like they're now three in a row. Are you are you positive Miami's making the playoffs or, or am I crazy that it's going to come down to the Jets in Miami? I think it's possible they they don't, but I still think they will. At that Buffalo game, I think came um, actually they came out of that well. You know the fact that they only lost by such a narrow score in the cold, all those kinds of things. The one question mark still is that Buffalo didn't use the kind of defensive game plan that San Francisco and the Chargers had used before that. So I think we still have an open question about whether the adjustments that Miami has, or even if they have the adjustments are going to work when teams roll out that game plan, the famous blueprint to stop that offense like that, I think is still absolutely an open question. I think we'll probably get a pretty good answer this week. Yeah. I was going to say, it's interesting. Like you look at it, like Ken, I just don't get why when this would be my biggest pet peeve when teams see other teams do something successful and think like, why don't you just try it again? I don't know why people don't do that. Like this guy can't hit a curveball. Like you don't need to throw him fastballs and they still do it. Um, and then, you know, again, teams that run the ball, how's Miami going to handle getting, having, you know, this, that slow physical, you know, San Francisco jets, Eagles style of game plan where it's like, can we punch you in the mouth over and over again? Um, Obviously, you know, this will be this will be dropping. Well, you know, hopefully the Jets, for my sake, win on on uh, win tonight, just because I'd like to have more weeks of podcasting without talking about the draft. I think that'll be that'll be ideal. But make sure you guys are following Sam on Twitter, PFF underscore Sam, obviously, PFF NFL, uh, you know, pod Mondays, I think Wednesday or Thursday mornings, you know, it covers, you know, you'll always get Jet stuff on there as well as, you know, every other uh, every other game. I appreciate you, you know, hopping on. Anytime. Thanks for having me.